It's been close to two and a half years since we talked about education planning, but I didn't want to do the same type of education planning podcast. I decided, let's put this thing up on its head. Let's talk about what happens when life really happens. Tune in today and we're going to load you up. What happens to college planning when life happens? It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Restoring order to your financial chaos. Retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions. He's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. But when you've been doing something for 11 years, you st- you don't want to repeat. You know, that's the thing is I, I like to stay excited about the, the constant learning and knowledge that we're obtaining from doing research for the money guy show. And we've done other 529 podcasts or college savings podcasts, but guys, don't worry. If you, if you're, if you're like, Oh, I've heard this one before. I don't want to, you know, I just go and I know how to do a Google search. I don't need these guys to tell me how to shop for a 529. No, no, no. Th- this is going to be better than that. We are going to load you up with all the basics. So if you, if you're a parent, maybe you've got a, a child on the way, like if you, it seems like here, it's something in the water here at a, a bound wealth. There's lots <laughs> of pregnancy here at the firm, but there's, if something like that's going on, you're still going to get the basics, but we're going to come back and I actually want to load you up on Real world examples of what happens when life happens. Um, so, so hang out, hang out with us, and, and I, I don't think you'll be disappointed with this topic whatsoever. Um, by the way, if you just climbed out from that rock, you haven't been hanging out with um, financial podcasts and don't know who we are. This is the Money Guy Show. I'm your host Brian Preston. Sitting across from me is Mr. Bo Hansen. We've been doing fee-only wealth management for decades now. Um, we reach clients in 35 states. All because you great listeners have realized I've graduated to the point I'd love to have somebody like Brian and Bo and and the rest of the team on my side. And we appreciate you guys kind of taking it to the next level. You know, we have, we've really believe in this passion project that the more successful we make you by the just loading you up with as much free advice. It will come around, and we have yet to be disappointed by that. What I think is so exciting about today's show, Brian, is that is that times they are a changing, right? So the common thought about college and how you plan for it, and just the normal traje- trajectory of what made sense for every single person, is kind of changed a little bit. And so I think what's unique about this show is we're going to talk about some of the alternative paths that maybe don't always get mentioned when you talk about. Uh, planning after high school. Well, yeah, I, I think that there has definitely been a push. And, and you guys know I come from a unique perspective in the fact that um, I was a, a school board chairman for for a very large school system, over 40,000 40, students. Um, I was the chairman of the school board for a number of years and, you know, serving in, in public service. And I got to see, I think we have molded this expectation that everybody should go to college. Right. And that's not the way historically it's always been. And 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 I want to go ahead and open the curtain for you guys. A lot of our clients aren't college educated. Mm-hmm. I know that. And look, we we work with very successful people, um, and this is something I think we all need to reshape our mind. Now, a lot of us are, you know, we're overeducated, Bo. I mean, there's other people. Sure. I mean, there's nothing wrong with with having that desire that you want to go to college, maybe get that finance degree, accounting degree, go become a doctor an architect, you know, all those type of things. But, guys, the backbone of the country is built upon also the, the a lot of, I mean, we have people who come see us. I mean, I'm just going to name off professions that I don't think they'd mind if they if we said these out loud. Sure. Like metal fabrication, mm-hmm. plumbing, 
um, extermination services, tree services, you know, tree services. I mean, handyman, guys, handyman, handyman. I mean, we have that's true. We have. It is amazing if you're just good and passionate. I had a and I had a podcast prospect, very well could become a podcast listener. Um, tell me something a few months ago that's kind of stuck with me, and I thought it was brilliant because he has multiple children. All of them have turned out extremely successful, but not all on the professional path. Like he has a few that are professionals, and he has some that are in the in the, in the what I, I guess would be con- traditionally considered blue collar. Right. And I said, "How did you do it? How are they all so successful?" And he said, "I tried to put it instill in my children if they will just be the best, the f- top five percent of their industry." They will do great. Mm-hmm. And his example was, if you like cutting hair, that top 5% in, in cutting hair Does is great. making a fortune. Yep. The money seems to follow the talent if you can just find what your passion is. So it's kind of exciting, and I think that's a great point, Bo, is that it, there are a lot of professions, and I think that somehow societally we have shifted to where we think you have to go to college. And, I, and I'm not poo-pooing college. I'm just saying that I think there's opportunity for everyone, and it's so exciting that there is so much opportunity, and that's what it's, it leads into what happens with life. Yeah, and with you, if you're listening to this and you are a parent or you're thinking about one day becoming a parent or maybe you're a grandparent and you have young children, I'm thinking under the age of 12, 13 years old, who knows what their path is going to look like? And so in terms of how you do financial planning, it's important that you think through some of the things that we're going to talk about so that you can think about how you help them plan in the, in the best way possible. A lot of you are probably listening going, Brian, you're giving me mixed signals. Well, you know, because I'm sitting here, I've got a, a six-month-old, I've got a year-and-a-half-old, and I want to start saving for the future. You're telling me maybe the future is not college? You know, how should I say? Guess what, though? It's still universal, and this is the theme of today's show, is I want you to take a deep breath. You know, I think a lot of us get so stressed out about saving for college because we have these expectations of doing so good for our children because we love them so much. I want you to take that deep breath and exhale and know, this is much easier than we probably make it because guess what? No matter whether your child's going to college, whether your child's going and getting post college with a you know with a a master's degree, a doctorate mm-hmm. or whatever, as well as if they just need to go to what's a career academy or slash vocational school, those type of things are all funded by five twenty nine mm-hmm. plans. It, it's truly incredible that you don't have to make these decisions at a super early age. So I don't want anybody out there thinking, well, you know, I'm worried. I have a, a fourth grader, a fifth grader who, who's showing that their aptitude, they're so daggum handy. I don't know that they necessarily are going still keep doing the, the saving for the future because it's going to pay off because you can use that at 529 school. And we're going to jump into that in, in, in just a second. It's so, so powerful to just kind of figure out and, and encourage your children to focus on their passion, to figure sure. out what they really think they do better than the other 95% of the population. And then I'll throw this out there just because I'm a nerd, and, I, and maybe I have a conflict for saying this because it's my, my was my major in college. I think no matter what profession, future, everybody should try to understand personal finances a little bit better Absolutely. because then that also lends itself to helping you out with business management as well. You know, and Bo, it, it warms my heart tremendously when I hear you on the phone with clients and prospects. You are a quasi, I guess they would give you a, a, a what, honorarium degree as, <laughs> as a, cause you, you've hung out with me so much. I feel like you kind of have some CPA blood in you somewhere. <laughs> and I do think that we have business owners and others who are killing it. I mean, making, doing great things, but I hear this statement so often is, I'm good at business. 
I just don't know how to do structure my business. Yeah, I don't know yeah. how to do the accounting. So if your children are very handy at other things, still encourage them to get the basics of the math, the business, and those type of stuff, because that's what's going to put them up a leg ahead and keep that success rolling. That's so right. Let's kind of jump into this. And then, Bo, I'm trying to figure out, because I do want to share, should we go ahead and share on the front end some of the basics, like the 529s, the the Coverdell educational savings sure, accounts, yeah. and and that stuff before I go through these life events, because I want to make sure we don't leave anybody behind, because we might lift, talk about some terminology, and if we haven't given the basics. Yeah, let's real quickly, let's talk about what is a 529, why is it good, what is an educational savings account, why is it good? Just real quick, brief overview. Yeah, the 529s, these things, you know, I think they haven't been around that long because I'm so old <laughs> that it seems like, you know, what I think happened two weeks ago seems like it was three years ago. So, But I guess they have been around long enough. How long? I mean, I should know that, but before we start doing a podcast, how long? I just want to know how make myself feel really old here. But while Bo's pulling that up, 529s. Here's what's great about them: they were structured under legislation that each state gets to set up their own tax favored savings program. To, um, and a lot of them have partnered with Vanguard. Some have partnered with you know Fidelity and other custodians. They all partner with partners, you know, with custodians, and then. You, whatever you invest in these savings accounts, and it grows just like a traditional investment. And if you use it for educational purposes, it can be used for education and all the growth, all the principal, and everything can be used completely tax-free. And, and that, by the way, when I say for education, that can also include your housing. That can include some of the support services as well as, you know, the computers and other things. You know, there's, there's all kind of cool things that you can do. This 529 is very encompassing. And that's what made it so, so favored is because you could start out when your children are young, one years old, two years old, three years old, and you're contributing and potentially in your state getting a tax deduction for those contributions on your state income taxes. And then before you know it, those accounts have grown three, four, five fold by the time that your children go to college. And then you use it for college. And guess what? It's all tax free. You don't pay any income taxes on that appreciation as long as it's for education. So that's kind of the overview. Um, the Coverdell. I think you hear them called educational savings accounts. Right. I still call them Coverdell because I'm from the state of Georgia. Right. And um, if you don't know, there was a, a senator from the from the state of Georgia um, who's now who's who's deceased, but he was a great man. His name was Paul Coverdell. He was very passionate about education and savings, and it, so these accounts were originally called Coverdell IRAs. They've been kind of morphed into educational savings accounts, but they're great too. I mean, but they're primarily the, here's why 529s whoop them. Whoopum's a southern term, by the way, if you don't know. Or maybe maybe it's just, but this is why it whoops them, is that you can save a lot more in a 529. Sure. I mean, you can give up. I think it's a, some of them will let you front in even past the annual gift tax exclusion, right, but yeah. most of them are around 14000 a year. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas an educational IRA, a Coverdell IRA, is around 2000 2000 yeah. So it has limitations. Plus, um, if you make over a certain amount of money with a Coverdell, you can no longer participate. They do have income limitations. Yeah, it's ninety-five to one hundred and ten for single folks, and then uh, from one hundred ninety thousand to two twenty for joint filers. Five twenty-nine is no income tops. Right. So you could you could make two million dollars a year, and you still can contribute to a five twenty-nine, get a lot of those benefits. So those are the powerful things. Now, here's the thing that Coverdells can do that five twenty-nines can't. K through twelve. If you know you're going to be sending your child to a um, you know, a private school, um, K through 12, you can use those educational savings accounts for that. 529s, college 
or vocational school or a technical college or it has to be used post-secondary type um, education goals. So those are the differences. Anything I missed there? And then make me feel old after you tell me if I missed anything. No, no, I think you hit it. And what's what's crazy is the origination of five to nine. It wasn't, you know, Wikipedia was not nearly as clear as I thought it would be. But we'll just call it the mid-90s because there were some individual things were happening at the state level and there was some legislation passed and it cited on the It IRS took a while. And, Plus, every yeah. state had to adopt these individually. I, it, it makes sense that it's varied. It, so the legislation came about in the mid-90s Every state has gotten to implement these on their own timetable. So needless to say, these things have now been around for going on decades, yeah. which is pretty exciting. Um, I will, one word of caution before we start getting into the real life part of it. Because states had to partner with providers, you know, custodians as well as people that help you with the investment, they're not all created equally. It's um, kind of frustrating, actually. Some of the states were very smart and that's what you'll, you know, in a minute, I'm going to talk about Morningstar and their rating system. You know, they went with the lowest cost provider they could. And that's like your your vanguards, and that's Utah. Utah has yep. been around for years. It's been one of the, the leading um, industry-wide best 529s you can do. So a lot of people who don't have a state income tax in their state and don't have a good plan will immediately choose the Utah plan because it's low cost. But some states somehow let the political process take take hold, and they have some high-commissioned, high ex, very expensive plans That's right. um, that are built in. So they're not all created equal. So be very careful who you use within your state. But there's some misinformation out there. We'll talk about this in a second, about how to go about deciding and what are the implications if you do a 529 in a state that you don't live in. Dun, dun, dun. We'll talk about that in a second. So... Let me go ahead and throw out a resource that I want you guys to know before we start getting into these real-world examples. If you go to Morningstar.com or just go on Google, well, actually, here's better yet. Go to MoneyGuy.com. We're going to have a link <laughs> to the, the 2016 Morningstar names, the best 529 college savings plans for 2016. They do this every year, by the way. I love it. It comes out usually around October of every year. This is still the, the 2016 mm-hmm. list, so we're, we're about halfway through. They'll be doing this again in, a, in about five to six months down the road. But, um, they, you know, in 2016, they identified 33 plans that they consider best in class, and they, they rank them gold silver and bronze and that's based upon the tax benefits within the individual states as well as the performance well here i'll just tell you they have the five key pillars um it's the five p's which is process people parent price and performance if you'll go to the link that we're going to list on mornings uh, on moneyguy.com we'll get you that information so so you can go figure out how your state ranked and how well it did so let's jump in this because i'm kind of itching to get into these these real world things so the first scenario, this is the one, and this is why I kind of set the table talking about you don't have to be college educated to be successful. And I have a whole list of clients that fit this perfectly. They're still brilliant people. It's just their brilliance comes out in other parts. It still leads to a lot of success in the real world. But here's the one. What happens when your child, traditional college is just not for them? And I think this is a big fear for a lot of like, like super planner parents who like as soon as they left the delivery room, they got on their, you know, mobile device and opened the 529 account because they want to start saving. I think a lot of parents worry about this. I do all this planning, but then what happens if uh, if if traditional four-year school is not what, what my child ends up doing? Yeah, I mean, we, we and, and 
they're going to listen to the podcast. They'll know the, the, and they'll, they'll appreciate the shout out. We got a call from one of our clients that, you know, their, their child was going to beautician school and right. said, I have, I have all this money. Can I use it for beautician school? And we, you know, quickly get on the internet and there's a great link. If you go to moneyguy.com, we're also going to give you a link to savingforcollege.com that you can, um, it's a, the, list of qualified institutions that are 529 eligible. This is going to be the link that's going to provide you to all the technical schools, the vocational schools, the community colleges, as well as the traditional four-year colleges. So you can see no matter where you are in the United States, you can see what you're going to be able to use your 529s. And I got to tell you, I think it's a big relief right. when, when, when people find out, oh my goodness, it's not just for traditional college. We can use this money for some other purpose as well. That's, and, and don't forget, you know, you also can, if your child's not going to college and maybe you don't use all the money for vocational schools, um, you can send your, use it for another child or you can use it for another family member. I mean, and let's not forget, because it's not the end of the world, you always can get your principal out. And it's just that any gains, you're going to have to pay income taxes on them as well as a 10% penalty if the money's not used for college. So that's not the worst thing. It's just that we want to make sure you maximize things as much as possible. And so one thing we like to talk to parents about is is that let's say that maybe you went to a very expensive private university. And so you kind of have an idea of how much it costs. And maybe it was a a multi-six-figure cost for you to go to school. And you start thinking about funding that sort of thing for your child. A lot of people think, oh, if I don't save this money in a 529, my kid's not going to go to school. Well, that's obviously a fallacy. So one thing that we help parents think through is, Okay, if our goal is for the, is for junior to go to this school, whether it's a state school or public school, what would would we need to save in order to fund fifty percent of the education for the five to nine? Or what do we need to do to do seventy five? Or what do we need to do to do a hundred? So there are ways you can kind of protect yourself from quote unquote overfunding if the thought of having to use that money and pay the penalty and the sure. the, the taxes isn't something you want to do. No, without a doubt, and that, that kind of that's a great lead in to the, to the second point of when life happens. What if the other side of the coin is you hit the jackpot? What if your child is such a gifted student or such a gifted athlete that they get or they go into one of the military academies where it's going to be pretty much covered? And, and you're like, wait a minute, I got all this money saved. What does that mean? I mean, how, how does this play out now that I've saved all this money? And, and maybe you don't need to pass it down to the other kids. You know, what do you do? Oh, Guys, this is what's exciting about gaining knowledge from listening to the Money Guy Show. A lot of people don't realize they were smart when they structured this stuff. Is because there is a clause written into the law that if you're fortunate enough that your child got a scholarship, went to one of the military academies or something like that, you can pull up to the value. Here's Let me find the quote. There's a 10% penalty exception for withdrawals if your child earns a scholarship or attends a military academy. However, here's the negative part. You do have to pay income taxes on any of those gains. So if you put money into a 529, it grows, your child gets a full ride, you can pull that money back out. You will pay income tax, but you avoid that 10% penalty. That's outstanding. It's pretty awesome. You still had tax-deferred growth for the entire time. It's basically a a regular IRA or a 401k that you get to access before 59 and a half. And if you do want to take advantage of that tax-free growth and actually use it for educational purposes, that's when you can pass it down to a family member. You know, there's all kind of opportunities, but pretty cool that they were smart enough when they wrote the legislation to include something that would give you an out for success, too. Success should not be penalized, so it's great that that, that that's played out. So here's the next one. 
This is a big one. This is a huge one, actually. We have a lot of discussion on this because I think it's it's parent guilt. You yeah. know, I've already talked about it a little bit. Is we all feel this pressure to provide for our children because they're our legacy. We love them so much. You, you know, you just want to sop them up. You know, with all this that you want to just give them every everything you can to get so they can reach their maximum potential. Well, here's the thing: How do you prioritize college savings versus retirement planning? <laughs> Guys, if we were looking at the financial planning pyramid of, you know, looking at the basic stuff that you got to do at the base to make sure this thing stands up structurally, you got to make sure you got your estate plan, your cash reserves, the basics taken care of. As you move further up on that triangle of the of financial planning basics, this is stuff you learn when you take your first CFP class, right. by the way. You know, you're going to move up to cash flow management, then retirement planning. You hear this? Retirement planning came before. Retirement plan. And then past retirement planning, you'll get to things like education planning. Uh-huh. They do that on purpose, just like it's going to be much more important for you to make sure you have wills and you have life insurance and you have good cash flow management before you start worrying about, am I saving enough for retirement? They want you to get the basics. It is also true that retirement plan, retirement planning is significantly higher on the scale or priority list for financial objectives. And, and that's a key thing I think most people need to, to recognize. Yeah, and this is a, it's a very rudimentary example, but when, when was the last time you went on a flight, Ryan? When was the last time you took a trip where you had to fly somewhere? In the past year? Right? Yeah, Something it was like definitely that. in the last year. All right, so, you know, whenever you're sitting on a plane, you're about to take off, the, the, um, flight attendants always come out and they do this thing, right, where you're talk, they're talking about, you know, what happens if something goes down over water and you have to pull the mask down. What do they always tell you before, you know, they, when they're talking about putting the oxygen oh, mask they, on? They tell you to put the oxygen mask on yourself before you put it on the child. That's exactly right. And financial planning is kind of the exact same way, but a lot of parents don't think that way. They think they have to prioritize that. So they start going through this mindset of maybe I should back down my 401k contributions and start doing the 529. Or maybe I should forego this financial planning technique for myself so that I can make sure Junior can go to college. But there's there's a pretty there's a pretty big reason why that's a fallacy. Well, it, the big thing you worry about in this I wrote this in another piece that we had dealing with education planning is that there's an entire industry to help your child go to college. You got student loans. You got student grants. You got student scholarships. I mean, there's all kind of ways that you can help your child go to school. What happens when you reach 65, 66? Is there an organization, a not-for-profit for people like you who have been saved for the future, there's no, there's no grants. I mean, how, I guess you could say Social Security helps out. How do I fill out the FAFSA for retirement? Yeah, Where do I get the retirement no, scholarship? There's no retirement loan department. <laughs> I mean, to, to help you get your retirement. So there, there is. It is a true separation of. Where are the tools to help you get through something versus the tools if you haven't prepared? And let me tell you, if you have not prepared for college, it doesn't mean your child's not going to college. There's many of us that have, you know, paid for college, gotten scholarships, worked through college, you know, co-opted through college. There's Mm -hmm. all kind of opportunities. You get to retirement without enough money. You might be because you invested all that money in in (laughs) junior or your daughter's account. You might be 
counting on them to let you either live off them or live with them, <laughs> which seems to be less than ideal. Is it Benjamin Franklin that talks about relatives visiting as like fish? You know, it's, it, it, they start to smell after a while. You know, you love them, but you, you want to make sure that you've created the right type of structure. Yeah, I got to believe it's a much harder conversation. Instead of saying, you know, hey, Junior, you have to go get a loan to say, hey, Junior, I need to move into the basement, right? That's yeah. got to be harder. So definitely prioritize retirement before you prioritize education. As much as we love our children, believe me, we focus on that, but you want to make sure you check those boxes on the retirement first. So the next one, this one, Bo, you've already alluded to this one. This is a big one. I think this is the one that there's not enough information out there explaining this so it gets people confused, is um, a lot of people think that, okay, if I lived in Georgia, I started a, remember, I've moved to Tennessee now. Right. So I'm in Georgia. I started a Georgia 529. Now I've moved to the state of Tennessee. Surely I have to use that Georgia 529 for only Georgia colleges. Is that right? I mean, that's the way that you would think it is, but that could not be farther from the truth. That's what's awesome. Uh, actually, you can open up a 529 with any state in the country, and then it's not, it doesn't matter what school your child goes to. So even if your child wants to go to the University of Oregon, This right? is the savings accounts, not the prepaid accounts. That's there right. is a difference, but keep going. Even if your child wants to go to school out of state, you can still use the 529s in that state. And what, what what's more is... Uh, we live in the state of Tennessee. Well, in the state of Georgia, when we had 529 accounts, there was a state tax incentive to participate. Well, in Tennessee, there is no incentive to participate. So it doesn't necessarily make sense to open up an account in this state. So we actually have, five, at least I have, a 529 account in Utah, right? So I'm able to take advantage of that. That does not mean that my kids have to go to a school in Utah. They can go anywhere in the country. We can still use those assets, which is pretty fantastic. So uh, I'm putting you on the spot. Should you roll if, like me, I've moved from the state of Georgia, don't have a state income tax, big incentive here in Tennessee, should I, by the way, there is a tax incentive for in Tennessee. It's just it doesn't hit me perfectly well. So I probably would do something like a Nevada or a Utah plan. Should you consolidate those to make your life easier? Yeah, so there's two thoughts. Uh, You really want to look at how good are the plans, right? You kind of compare what they cost annually, what the investment options are. And then this is another thing to think about, and this is kind of getting a little bit out there. But if you have relatives that still live in that state, it might be beneficial for you to leave the account in that state so that your relatives, if they so desire, they still want to contribute to the path to college plan, they can get the state tax deduction for making contributions. If that's not the case and the new plan has really low investment options and has really great uh, you know, great service and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with consolidating, and it's a pretty easy process. This is why I like working with you. Everybody's going, guys, when we do the pre-planning show, we, you know, when we meet and talk about things, we really don't know what we're going to ask each other. And I totally just put <laughs> Bo on the spot, and I'm sitting there going, that's a good answer. Because, <laughs> I mean, especially like the relatives. I had not even thought. I was like, that's true. I got relatives <laughs> in Georgia, so I should leave that money over there and just start anew. So great, great points, because I totally put you on the spot, and I thought you knocked it out of the park. Um, I, I wanted to kind of, the last thing I had before we kind of close this thing out and just go through a review of some tools and techniques and other things that you can do is, you know, a lot of us as parents, you have education funding as a goal, but you also have other goals. You know, I know for me, you know, I think you guys are, I've shared before, I have a special needs child. So, you know, with, with, with me, we had the, the, the ability to use ABLE accounts as well. So, you know, I had to have, I wanted to have some funding money going to these ABLE accounts to take care of her, hopefully, her funding needs. By the way, if you're listening and you have a special needs child and you're going, ABLE accounts, what the heck is that? 
Go to money moneyguy.com. Go sign up for free. We don't charge for premium access anymore. It's all completely free. All we want is your email address just so we can stay in touch with you. Um, go do a search on Able Accounts from us. We have a podcast that we did on Able Accounts that will help you out. Should, should we tell them about iTunes or just let them figure it out? Should we tell them about that? Well, if you're an iTunes fan, you're going to go there. and you're, If you go to Money Guy on iTunes. By the way, if you ever th- just like what you hear and you want to leave a, a, a comment, we love getting comments on iTunes. But you're going to notice when you click on our history, you're like, whoa, where'd that come from? Somebody, somebody was working late <laughs> because a lot of our history, not all of the history, we're, we're working through, we gotta, we gotta get an intern here and here to fix up because things weren't always buttoned down perfect back when this thing was in its infancy. So we're going to get a, an intern in here at some point. So all archives back to 2006 would be available at some point but right now it goes back to mid 2011 but that's right yep so if you're an itunes person you can go grab any of our history on itunes all the way back to 2011 remember we've been doing this since 2006 it'll take a few a little while eventually when we get in the new office space here in the next two weeks by the way that's right if you're coming to franklin tennessee in the next few months whatever Check us, check us out because we're in downtown Franklin, right above a lot of the restaurants. So, um, we'll love to hear from you. Maybe we even, if you catch us on the right day, you might even be able to cut, stop in and watch us film the show or record the show. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Oh, let me get back on point. Yeah. The whole so reason, sorry. the whole reason for that tangent was if you are curious about the able accounts, you can go to moneyguy.com, go search, type in able, it'll pull up the show or that show is actually available on iTunes now as well because we've opened up the archives. But you guys will have other funding goals too. Is that some of you, you know, like I have multiple daughters. Oh yeah, you know I'm what? You know you. what you recognize when you have multiple daughters? There's gonna be weddings, That's especially right. when you have pretty daughters with pretty wives that, that want nice big weddings. <laughs> You're like, man, don't have just education. We also got to make sure we fund enough money for weddings and everything else. So that stuff is gonna be out there. And then some of you guys are going to have that 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 child that is just so driven that they're. They're doing, they're babysitting, they're cutting grass, they're doing something that's earning additional money. Maybe they're lifeguarding. I don't know. You know, I'm trying to think of all the crazy plumbing. I'm trying yeah. to think of all the crazy jobs I did when I was in high school. And if they have earned income, you're going to want to encourage them to do Roth IRAs. So, and the reason I say that you're, wait, wait a minute, Roth IRAs, that's, they need to fund it. Yes, they need to fund that, but here's something you can do as a parent. I encourage, just like your employer, you come to work, you work for a company for a year or whatever, and they let you have access to their 401k. What's one of the first things they do? They say, hey, we have this great 401k, um, but you have to participate, you know, it's dollar for dollar up to the first 3%, and then it's 50 cents on the dollar for the next two. So if you give us 5%, we'll give you 4% of your salary in contribution. So you go, wow. Be crazy not to do money. Be crazy not to do at least 5% and get all that free money. Just like you've had a carrot placed before you at your workplace, how about putting a carrot in front of your children to encourage them to save for the future? Because you could go set up a Roth IRA for your children and then say, guess what? Because I want to encourage you to save for the future, I'll give you a dollar for dollar match. I mean, now maybe your kids are doing a lot more than my teenage daughter is, but I mean, at the most, you're talking about your exposure here because you're capped at $5,500 a year Total contribution to a, a Roth, and that can't exceed what they make. So if they only make a thousand dollars, they can't put more than a thousand dollars in. So you could offer them. I'll give you a dollar for dollar match. You put in two hundred fifty dollars to your Roth, or five hundred dollars to your Roth. I'll put two fifty or five hundred dollars into your Roth. Talking about excitement, Bo, and I'm doing this off memory, and I hate it. You hate it when I go off the cuff. I have no idea where we're going. 
when I do those slides, when I go and show people, what does it take to have a million dollars by the time you're 65? Sure. I mean, I think when you're using a very reasonable rate of return, I know it's if you're pre-20, it's less than $100 oh, yeah, a month. It's, yeah, it's I mean, less, it is yep. low. So, I mean, if you have a working child, you can start them on that path of building financial independence and using the entire power of compounding interest. I'm talking about maximizing ex- exponentially the value of compounding interest is when you start super young like that. One small little nugget before we go to the next point is if this is something you're interested in doing for your child and you want to set up a Roth IRA for them, uh, it's going to be known as a custodial Roth IRA. To save you some frustration, not all custodians allow you to open up custodial Roth IRA. So one of the first things you want to do on, your web- on their website is go check out, can I open up a custodial? Uh, just so you know, one that we use uh, for a lot of our clients who do this uh, is Charles Schwab. They do make available custodial Roth IRAs. Not an endorsement. We're just kind of, because I will tell you, you'll get frustrated when you realize not everybody does custodial mm-hmm. Roth accounts because they don't like, it's not as easy to set up Roth accounts for people under the age of 18. Um, before we move on, I did mention on custodial accounts, Accounts. You know, a lot of people, when I talk about the wedding savings, or maybe you want to give your kids a leg up, if you feel, you know, the, the, the need to help them with that first house purchase or other things, you might set up a custodial account. And depending upon which state, you know, that's a UGMA, UTMA, right. um, that, you know, every, every state's, a, you know, structure is a little different, but you can set up those separate custodial accounts for your children. But do remember, as they start earning money, there will be taxes due mm-hmm. on a certain a certain amount, and then once it reaches over a thousand fifty dollars of unearned income within that account, you very well could have to file a separate tax return. So I don't want to get any hate mail if you have all this success for your children, and then you're like, "But my tax preparer is charging me two hundred fifty dollars <laughs> to do this kid's return." You know, I, I want to give you a heads up. It's a good problem to have, but it's just something I, I, I wanted to make sure you were aware of. Um, kind of closing this thing out. We've, we've really covered a lot of ground because we've talked about how what happens when life happens when your kid's not going through the traditional path of college. What happens when you've hit the jackpot and your kid's getting a full ride for college? And then we've talked about funding different things for life as well as prioritizing saving for college versus saving for retirement and why you need to make sure you're not on the live in the basement plan. That is less than ideal and we want to make sure you guys know what is important so you can be as successful as possible with your life. You know, I did put, the, and I've already referenced one of them, but I wanted the two big resources that we use a ton for, of is Morningstar.com. Their 529 annual best list is one of the better things out there. So you can do a quick Google search, go to moneyguy.com. We're going to have the link on our website. And then another website that is just timeless on how good the research is, is savingforcollege.com. We have used that a ton. And then I just wanted to say in closing, if you do have children that are about to go to college, there's a lot more research out there um, in, in the last few years, and it's something I would encourage you to familiar, your, f- familiar familiarize yourself with. I had a little trouble getting that part out. Was the return on college investment? Yeah. It's a ROCI. It's it's a concept that people are having because, Bo, you you mentioned it, and we didn't really elaborate on it. I think that there is a new mindset with higher education. The fact that unfortunately in the last 10 years since the great recession of 2008, a lot of people have woken up to the fact that they came out of college, which was supposedly society told them they were going to have all this opportunity because they had to go get a college degree. Instead, they come out with huge student loan debt. That's right. And student loan debt is something that is very scary. Um, I I know you dealt with it, Bo, with with you and your wife as you got married. You, You 
just so y'all know, Bo made money off college. He was one of these people. He had a double threat. He had, you know, academics as well as athletics. So he, he, I, he really did. I remember, cause remember I hired him before he was 21 years of age. That's a clue. Um, but Bo, I remember almost didn't take the job. He wanted to delay his start date because that last quarter or semester, I semester, guess it's old right? people like me were on quarters. You were, you were going to forego. I was turning profit. <laughs> you were turning a profit <laughs> off of college. So, but you know, when you and your wife got married, there was some student loan yeah, debt that yeah. y'all had to, t- to focus on. And then I, I just think about student loan because it's, it's not surprising, especially our professionals who are doctors and others. They come out with six figures, yeah. easily six figures of debt. Well, a lot of you, if you have a child that's going to college and they're, they're choosing a major and you want to know, well, is it okay to go take student loans for this major? There are calculators out there based upon that return on a college investment that will tell you how much student loan debt that's that right. you should take. Pay attention to those calculations. That's an easy Google search because what you don't want to do is go choose a major. And I'm not going to fall into the trap of throwing out any majors because yeah. I don't want to upset anybody. But there are majors out there where you'll see people coming out with Fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars worth of debt, and there is no comprehensible way that they'll ever make enough money to justify to justify that much debt on that major. So you have to be very aware, and that's not to say still don't pursue the passion, because I really do believe that five percent rule is powerful stuff. The more and more I've thought about that, that 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 client, very successful client or, or prospect, I should say that hopefully that, that was some. To me hoping that he becomes a client, but <laughs> that prospect, I, I just stuck with me. Five, the top 5%, if you can find your passion and be the top 5% in your industry, success will come. Sure. And that's an exciting thing to kind of close it out with is, you know, just love on your children, be the resource so that they know that they have somebody to talk to, answer any of their questions, and, and just hopefully that curiosity, that human condition that we have where you just always the desire to, that you thirst for knowledge. That's going to take over, and you're going to have the success for your family, for your children that you deserve. And hopefully you'll feel, look back because I want to give one more feedback thing. We asked you guys in the last podcast oh, man, if yeah. we've changed your life or if you feel like we've had an impact, write us and let us know. Oh, my goodness. I I, I I don't know how what we're going to do with this stuff. Because I, I don't know if we can read it, but some of the yeah, stuff is I know, so that's the thing. good. But it's I got to so tell good. you, we have been forwarding these things around to the entire firm, as well as some of our resource partners that we use on, on, on things. And, guys, I, I kid you not, right now I have goosebumps because, <laughs> I mean, it just touches me. I mean, I just I, I get kind of choked up a little bit thinking about, People who, who have been listening to this even from college and now are are kicking butt in their career. I mean, guys, we had an email, uh, without telling too much information, I had an email from a, a listener who really thinks they're going to retire at 40. Now, when I hear somebody who says they're going to retire, I read all the columns. I watch, one of my favorite things is to watch all these tiny home shows. <laughs> I watch them for sheer, I even tape them so that I can watch them and I go, oh yeah, that's going to go great for the Super Bowl party. <laughs> oh yeah, you and your three kids are going to love being in that 300 square feet. I love it just for the sheer, the, the old men on the Muppets who sit up there and just poke fun. I mean, but what this person who wrote the show when I his goal of retiring at forty seems legit. I mean, he's not living off of eight fifty every two weeks. I mean, he's actually generating large sums of assets, and, that, and that's to hear that we had some impact, as well as to hear we've had people come into the profession. Mm-hmm. You know, from from high school and college, listening to the show, and now come in the profession. 
I, I just, I, I'm floored. I mean, I, I got to tell you, it just is, because I always wanted to be a school teacher. You know, I'm third generation. My, my mom was a school teacher. My grandmother was a school teacher. Thought I was, I substitute taught all through college. I thought I was going to be a school teacher. And now to hear that we're having impact, I feel like I found my classroom. And that's, that stuff is, if you hear me getting kind of emotional about it, it's just, it really is kind of a, a passion thing to see this dream that has allowed me to move to a whole different state so that my child could go to a very specialized school and then also know we're doing all this great stuff. I, I just feel like the happiest, luckiest Mr. Magoo success person you've ever met. And, and, and I want to thank you guys for tuning in, for, for writing the Money Guy show, for also leaving all the great comments out there on iTunes, as well as just doing everything you're doing because it's paying us you don't even realize. I mean, we get we get enough clients from this show that I feel like this project is paying off. Meaning, we keep educating, you keep rewarding us by coming and seeing us. I couldn't thank you enough. So, um, I'll probably before I turn into a soppy mess here, uh, just moneyguy.com. You can write the show. I'm Brian B R I N at moneyguy.com. Or you can write my co-host, Mr. Bo Hansen at moneyguy.com. We'll talk to you, of course, in two weeks, and we have some other exciting things. Hopefully. I don't know. We have to look at the calendar. We'll be in the new office when we do the next show. I think, yeah. Oh, that's going to be exciting. Well, yeah. you'll have to tell us, guys. Next show, you'll have to tell us if the acoustics sound different because we will be in the new office building. Hopefully, we'll record the next show. We'll talk to you in two weeks. I'm your host, Brian Preston. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston. Brian Preston is a principal with Abound Wealth Management. Abound Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Security and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities laws and regulations. Abound Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. (laughs) 